From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. The month of November is nearly over. Earlier this month, we celebrated Veterans Day. I didn't want this month to get away without giving a shout out to the men and women who have proudly served our country, the men and women who have died for the freedoms that we all get to enjoy each and every day. There are countless of you out there, and I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. This pandemic has kept us from celebrating our veterans like we do traditionally, but this year more than ever, we should be thinking about those individuals who have stepped up and answered a call for us all. In this episode, I'm sitting down with a Kentuckian who on September 11th saw those planes crash into the World Trade Center and as a high school student was called to stand up for his country and to protect it. Retired Marine Corporal Matthew Bradford is a hero. He fought in Iraq and really, if we're being honest, shouldn't be here with us today. But after stepping on an IED and enduring a terrible injury, he is. His story is one of hope, perseverance, and inspiration. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Welcome into Uniquely Kentucky. You know, we are coming off of a week where we celebrated Veterans Day, and I have a very unique individual with us. He is a Kentuckian through and through, even though he moved away for a bit. He's come home. I want you to welcome retired Marine Corporal Matthew Bradford. Matthew, welcome to Uniquely Kentucky. Hello, Amber. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we are coming off of uh, Veterans Day. I know that that day is very special. You served our country so proudly. What does a day like Veterans Day mean to you? It means a lot, um, especially through the pandemic and what we're going through now. Um, the one thing with veterans and the military is we we stick together. We're a group of individuals who need each other, need to reach out to each other, and for Veterans Day, for all of us to come together and to celebrate our service as well as those who's given the ultimate sacrifice. Matthew, we'll, we'll talk about your story here in just a minute, but I always have to ask, and you mentioned the pandemic, how are you and your family holding up uh, through everything that we've been through the last, gosh, nine months now? It, it was tough at first, try to understand what kind of routine to get into and how life is going to be, but I feel like over the past few months, we've kind of adjusted to getting back to somewhat of a normal life now. And I think the toughest part is getting the kids, you know, situated on what, what the next day is going to hold for them. So we've, we've held together and, you know, I've been fortunate enough the last few months to get out and travel and, and speak and, you know, getting back into the gym and doing events has helped out a lot. And speaking of events, you are a guy that that doesn't slow down. Um, your kind of motto is no legs, no vision, no problem. And the no legs, no vision problem we're going to talk about because that, that uh, is a result of an accident when you were serving. But you are a guy that really likes to get out there and just be among the people and really just spread your message, right? That's true. I, I like to interact with people. I'm a social person, you know, and and getting out and and for me I feel like my the platform that I've been given is to share my story to inspire others and and teach others that you know they can live beyond their own you know bare minimum whatever goals they set they can inspire to go past that. 
Matthew, you are a Winchester native. I know that you uh, went to high school in Virginia and you've now um, come back to us and, and made home back in Kentucky. Talk to me about where your desire to serve our country came from. So growing up in Winchester and, and uh, I, I moved away after my freshman year in high school at George versus Clark and during my ninth grade years when September 11th happened. And before then I didn't really know what my goals in life was. I was just a, a normal teenager living day to day, playing sports and hanging out with friends and, and watching the towers fall down on that September day. I, I realized then that, you know, even though I'm young, that this is maybe my time to serve. This might be my, my purpose in life. And, you know, when I moved to Virginia where my dad lives, he worked at Fort Lee, which is an army base. And, you know, going to the mall every weekend as a, as a teenager, you know, had seen the army soldiers walking throughout the mall in their uniforms. And, and, and that kind of gave me that motivation that, you know, this is what I want to do. And at first, you know, Black Hawk Down was my favorite movie and I wanted to be an army ranger. And then my dad was in the air force and he told me to look into the air force and talk to the recruiters. And I did. And then I just, uh, I met the Marine Corps recruiter actually playing basketball and, you know, what, what he sold me on is what I wanted to do. And a Marine Corps infantryman I knew would be deployed right away. I didn't want to wait around and spend years of training. I wanted to go through recruit training, go through my school and then go to the unit where, you know, I'm headed overseas. Matthew, there were so many men and women like you that, you know, a lot of us remember the exact moment of where we were on September 11th, and there were so many men and women who then felt that same calling that went and, and just served immediately. They could not wait to be able to do their part for their country. And, and you know, looking back now and, and everything that's happened, and, and even eight years after I you know, officially retired from the Marines, to me, that was the, the, the greatest decision I've ever made in my life because because of what happened to me on that one day. And, and, and even years later, how the Marine Corps still continues to reach out to check on me and my family to make sure that we're, we're good. And if we ever need anything, that they're always there. And, and, and I think just the uniform and what the Marine Corps stands for, their values has helped me get through so many difficult moments in my life. You enlisted in uh, 2005. Could you have ever imagined, because when I think about at that time frame and you enlisting, you were really going into the thick of it in terms of what we were facing um, with our enemy um, overseas. Could you have ever dreamed, you know, that, that kid sitting in high school thinking you want to serve, that you were really going to go into that kind of action? Not at all, but it's it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to go fight. I wanted to deploy as many times. And that was my goal going into the Marines, knowing that infantry will be over. And, you know, 2006 is when, when a seventh month rotation in the Marine Corps over back home over again, and it was just consistent. And that, that, that was my goal. I had, I had my family, my immediate family, but I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. My ultimate goal was to serve this country. And, if I pay that ultimate sacrifice, then then I'd be okay with it. But it gave me that, that that motivation to just not be worried about what what I'm going to be facing or confronting while overseas. You are such a an inspirational per person, and and I'm wondering, you know, a lot of us cannot even imagine uh, those moments and those days of when you were serving, and it was really tough. What got you through those days, and got you to put your boots on the next day and go out there and give it another day's work? You know, there's a, a few stories I talk about when I when I 
was deployed to Iraq and and one of them was just like sitting on top of the mini rooftops and looking up into the sky and seeing the the sunsets and the sunrises and and how beautiful that was and realizing that you know no matter how dangerous it is outside of this compound wall you know, the good lord above who painted this beautiful picture is always overlooking and looking at over us and and you know that kind of gave me that hope and that courage to step outside this compound wall and know that everything's going to be okay because to my left and my right I got my marine corps brothers and behind me that that they're going to be willing to give their life to take a bullet for me as well as I'm going to do for their. And then, you know, our FOB, which sat in the middle of the Haditha, the town in Iraq, it's just, it had an American flag over it. And, and to me, when I look at the American flag, I see the 50 United stars, the stars, how united they are in one background. And then I see the red where all the sacrifice and the blood that was shed. So we all could be free and live in this great country. And that's all the motivation I needed was just to put the uniform on, to be with my brothers and to serve this country. You had a life-changing uh, day, you know, on January 18th. That is a day that forever changed your life. Uh, and a lot of people may have seen your story and heard your story, but, but walk me through that day because it did. It changed everything about Matthew Bradford. So throughout our deployment in Iraq, which, you know, every day we engaged the enemy, our squad probably engaged the enemy more than any other squad in our company. But every time we left the FOB, we always come back with the same amount of Marines that we left with. I uh, walked point to the right of my team leader who was on the left, patrol after patrol, you know, and actually found a few IEDs while we was over there. We had grenades launched at us and we got in many firefights. But, you know, on January 18, 2007, walking past the compound wall, I looked out into the front off to the right into the, an area called the Palm Groves. And there was a white bag leaned up against the tree. And, and when you're over there, you're constantly looking for any kind of suspicious items because that's where a lot of either weapons cached are marked um, or IEDs are placed. And it, it, so you keep an eye out for that. Your head's always on a swiddle, swindle. And as I see that, I turn around and tell my team leader and I look behind me and tell the Marines behind me. And, and the minute I turn back around, I look down and there was a ditch that lay perpendicular to the road that I was standing on. And as I looked down, I saw the command wires going straight into the pipe underneath the road. And I mean, in a matter of seconds, it exploded. I mean, literally directly underneath me, inches underneath me. And, and uh, people always ask me what, what was going through my mind and what did I feel? And honestly, like that, that's speechless. I mean, I, I remember laying there. I mean, it took my vision automatically. And then but hearing the Marines around me calling in for QRF and, uh, you know, the last voice I heard before I, I, I passed out or I died, I didn't know what happened, if that was a nightmare or not, but it was from my senior drill instructor who was a platoon sergeant, um, you'll be fine, Bradford. And then from then on, I, I don't remember anything after that. I woke up three weeks later in a coma in Bethesda, Maryland, and um, then I realized everything that had happened to me. And, and you know, when, when that those command wires and that white bag, the picture that keeps getting, you know, trade in my it keeps getting in my head over and over again that was the last thing I ever saw do you remember you know that moment in the hospital because you're finding out the injuries you're finding out what has happened to you do you remember at any time feeling sorry for yourself or did you immediately feel like it's going to be okay I've got this I'm going to figure I'm going to figure it out Right when I got out of ICU and, and I began to be told my injuries, um, I remember the day that my dad told me I lost my legs and my vision was more than likely not gonna come back. 
I wasn't worried about losing my vision. It was losing my legs because you see the stuff on the news all the time and, and you know the risk that could, that could, what could happen to you, but you never expect it to happen to you. And here I am laying in the hospital room, thousands of miles away from my Marine Corps brothers, I'm doing the job that I truly love to do. And, and, and at that time I was, you know, I was doing it well. I was ready to come home from deployment, be a team leader, be a leader of other Marines and, and redeploy. And in a matter of seconds, all of that at the age of 20 was, was basically like the rug pulled from underneath my feet. And I remember just laying there crying in my hospital bed, you know, just hoping each tear would grow back my legs. And, and it was, um, it was just day in and day out. I just wanted to lay there. I didn't want to eat anything. So I would constantly, I'd be weak. I'd be skinny. I'd be mean to whoever come into my hospital room. And, um, it was, that's the way I just wanted to just, just lay there and die. And, and it's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about the Marines and the Marine Corps and, but, but when I was going through those bad days and those difficult days, there was the Marines that would always show up, the chaplains, the family, the nurses, the corpsmen, even though they were there to take care of me, but they were, they were truly there to, to put me in a better place mentally. And, and that's where I needed to be at that time. Talk to me about the extent of all of the injuries. Um, obviously, you said, you know, you lost um, your eyesight, uh, your legs. Did you have internal injuries as well? I did. I was injured on the 18th of January. By the 21st of January, I was in Bethesda, Maryland. They, they rushed me to the United States because they didn't know how my the pressure in my eyes, the mm-hmm. shrapnel that went through my left eye that was lodged in my brain, how that would go with the... Um, with, with flying, but I had a, a piece of my small intestines removed. My bladder was, was ruptured. My stomach was bruised. My pretty much my whole right hand was um, broken, uh, torn tendons. I had shrapnel embedded in my left forearm, and um, and of course, well, amputations of both legs. My left leg was actually removed at the blast, so mm-hmm. it was uh, it had to get sewed back together pretty much. But um, so it was not only with no vision and no legs, you know, my right hand, which I was right-handed was severely damaged and I couldn't even use that or put weight for the first three months of my injury. So I had to learn to do everything left-handed. And um, so it was, it was, it was trying to, you know, learn how to live life and a wholly, a completely different way. That's for sure. How much is PTSD um, something that you've, you've dealt with? Do you still um, have issues with that or maybe you've never, I don't know. You know, I I don't. Mm. I'm blessed. Like there's there's days where I'll be sitting on the back porch or whatever, and I'll be like a song will pop up, and and I do miss being in Iraq, and mm. I miss being with my friends, and you know, and and I always I still question, you know, why why me? You know, even though I'm very positive and optimistic today, but it's that question's always in my head, you know. And I was only 20 years old, and how can my life be drift, you know, shifted down this road? But um, I got a lot of really good friends and a good support system, good family that that I could trust, that I could go to and talk with. And and I feel like for a lot of us, a lot of veterans, you know, if you go to a counselor, if you go to a therapist, you automatically think that's, you know, cow, you're a coward or you're weak for doing that. But, you know, that's their job to sit there and just listen for you, listen to you vent, to get that out of your head, because a lot of the problems with us today is again we don't want to go talk to people we don't want to open up we want to keep it in 
And, and the best thing in the world is just to, just to find somebody you can talk to that you can trust and you can open up to get them out of your head because, you know, that's a, it's a, that could lead you down a dark road. And I mean, you know, you talk about the, the pandemic today and, and, and it's very sad with all the deaths going on, but, you know, the number that a lot of people aren't talking about right now is a veteran military suicide. Yeah. And, you know, when you're, you're keeping us all isolated and, and social, you know, we're all social people. It's, it's tough for us as well, you know, and we can't get out and be around each other. How much do we need to be talking about that more? Because, you know, you know, especially in the news world, you know, those things will cycle around, obviously Veterans Day, and, and we'll talk about it at, at, you know, a few other times throughout the year. But that is really something when we talk about mental health that we really probably, Matthew, should be talking about a whole heck of a lot more, right? It is, and, you know, to me, I've lost three friends through all this, and four total before the pandemic even started but it's you know there's a lot of stuff that that could you know you could get done in, in the capitol and the white house but for i think a lot of it is down here on the ground level and you know i'm very thankful to be a part of an organization called troops first foundation we do have a program called operation warrior call where we'll go around and speak to military bases at town halls and we'll share our story of resiliency and, and and things that's helped us overcome our injuries and but it also gives the soldiers and the Marines who we're talking to that, that contact, you know, cause they're more likely to reach out to us than they are their own unit. And uh, because they don't want to, their unit to consider them as, you know, damaged goods or whatever, but Aww. it's to reach out to them, to let them know, okay, find your counselor, set up meetings with them. You know, where's your chaplain? You know, those people are there for you to help you out, mm -hmm. to, you know, to get you in a better place. And, you know, and it's just, we need to stay in touch with each other. We need to continue connecting with each other and, and calling and make sure that everybody's okay. And if they're not, then find them the, the resources they need and put them in the right hands. I think that's the one thing the pandemic has really taught all of us is that we do have to stop and say, who around us is not doing well and make sure that we're checking on them. So I'm glad we can talk about that, especially with veterans. You know, we've talked about your injuries and we've talked about everything you've gone through, but if I read this list out to people, um, you've run marathons, half marathons, multiple Spartan races. You've completed 10 miles of the time death march. Uh, that was nine months after you learned to walk again. You've climbed 7,000 feet of Mount Rainier. Matthew, where in the world does your A, sense of adventure come from? And B, when was that moment when you said, I'm just going to go for it. Like nothing is going to hold me back. And I guess that's where the no legs, no vision and no problem comes in part. I, I have a hard time saying no to anybody. And, <laughs> and for me, it's, I, I, I am a Marine. So I run my mouth a lot and I talk trash <laughs> to people and, and, and they challenge me on these things and I can't tell them no. But when, when I, when I finally got my mind in the right spot and my attitude was focused on getting from the hospital bed outside the hospital room, and, and staying up walking because I knew that outside that door is where the opportunities were going to be for me because at, I began creating these goals. I wanted to reenlist in the Marine Corps and I was focused on doing everything I possibly could, but through it all, I wanted to let people know that just because I have no legs and I have no vision that, that I'm still, I'm, I'm a normal person hmm. and I wanted to live my life like a normal person. So if it, if it has me doing marathons and, and Spartan races, you know, climbing mountains and, those are things I enjoy doing and I'm not going to let these injuries stop me from, from doing those. They're not going to define who I am as a person. You know, to me, they're just another strength. It's like, you know, that's another challenge that I'm going to have to battle through. And, um, 
you know, each year I always try to find something more difficult, more challenging. You know, last year when I, I cycled on a tandem upright bike across the state of Kentucky in August, 407. How could I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I didn't pick the month of August to do that. That was not my decision, which it was pretty miserable some of those hot days of August. But um, How many miles was that? 407 miles from, from Ashland to Fort Campbell. And um, to me, I, I thought the, the best part of that was, was ending in Fort Campbell, even though I'm not a, a soldier, I'm not in the army, but, but we all serve under the flag and we all wear the same uniform defending the same cause. And, you know, the last 13 miles had a chance to cycle with the Warrior Transition Battalion at Fort Campbell, the police officers, the firefighters. And it was just, to me, when I, when I could see that picture in my head, I just think of freedom. And um, it was just that extra motivation to get through. Yeah. We should also, you mentioned in there, you know, you did actually re-enlist, uh, what was that, April of 2010, I believe? April and, 7th of okay. 2010. And you re-enlisted as the first blind double amputee. That is an accomplishment in itself, Matthew. What did people around you think when you said, I'm going back in? You know, I had to realize then going through therapy that, you know, I'm going to have a lot of people telling me just to go ahead and get out. You know, the, the retirement is a lot better. The pay is a lot better. But, you know, I didn't join the Marines to get a paycheck because if that's the cause, I would never join the Marines. <laughs> but, but I wanted to, to wear the uniform. I wanted to continue wearing the uniform because I wanted to give back. I wanted to serve those who were severely wounded and let them know that like, your injuries, you know, you could, you could overcome this. This cannot defeat you. You know, it doesn't matter if you're burned severely, if you have amputations or if you're blind, that there's life outside these hospital doors. You know, and the minute you get your mind right and you get focused, then you can overcome anything in this, you know, anything in the world, in this world. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to raise my right hand in 2010 and, and serve two and a half more years. And, and, it, and it, it was truly, to me, I think the best thing in the world, you know, you mentioned post-traumatic stress earlier, was being able to say, you know what, I, I'm going to raise, I'm going to get out of the Marine Corps on my own and not be forced out medically. And I had a chance to do that on my own. And that's when I realized that, okay, maybe this chapter of serving as an active duty Marine is coming to a close. But the one thing that I'll forever be is a Marine because we have that once a Marine, always Marine mentality. And I could share my story. I don't need to be a uniform to share my story, but I got that title as a Marine. And for me, that, that's going to go to my grave. You, you have an incredible story to share. That is one thing. But Matthew, you also have a way with people. And I've been able to witness that in, in person, just A, through stories, and then actually um, getting to share uh, an event with you. And, and you do. You have a way with people. Why do you think that, that God chose you? Because you are able to connect with people. And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm safe in saying, even if the accident hadn't happened when you were serving, you would have been able to share your story in some other capacity with people. You know, it's, it's interesting to say because it's like the Marine Corps active duty infantryman is what I wanted to do. And, you know, and, and then, you know, stepped on ID and now I went down this whole different direction. And, and I feel like people always ask me if I'd go back and do it all over again. And I would, because these last 13 years have been truly a, amazing because I've had faced many ups and downs good times and bad times and I think it's it shows that what people can go through you know as long as you put one foot forward and keep pushing on you know anything can be accomplished and and that that's I just put my head down 
and I just focused on what I needed to focus on and, and, and I moved forward. You know, one of the things I talk about often is when I was learning how to walk in therapy and um, I was struggling, I was tripping over my own feet, bouncing off the walls and I couldn't figure out why, why I couldn't walk straight. This cannot be very difficult. And, and my physical therapist stopped me and said, Matt, whatever you do in life, just put one foot forward and just walk. I'll never let you fall. And to me, that gave me the confidence just to put one foot forward. And I realized that, you know, putting one foot forward is, is, is compared a lot to life. Like we're, I'm not guaranteed that next step. We're not guaranteed tomorrow or next week, but we got to push forward. We got to, you know, take advantage of the moment that we're in right now and live for the moment because this might be our last moment. You know, I might step off a curb or run into a wall, but I'm going to move forward. And I always tell people that, like, you know, with two prosthetic legs, you know, my legs aren't growing back, but my feet are going to be facing forward. I don't have any vision, but I'm hopeful that I will see one day. But I'm going to do everything I can on this, on this earth, you know, with no vision. So when it comes that opportunity to open my eyes and see my family for the first time, then, then, then it's going to happen because I'm hopeful. And, you know, for all of that and these last 13 years and the life I live the day, I don't have any problems at all. Like I'm happy with this life and, and I just love getting out and sharing my story because, you know, a few years ago I had an, I did an event with Toby Keith and I presented an award in Nashville and this lady somehow got my email and um, I, I did a post and so she, big fan of Toby Keith, she read it and uh, on Monday morning I checked my email and it said, Matt, you don't know me and we'll probably never meet, but if it wasn't for me reading your story and, and Googling how you've overcome your injuries and I would commit suicide. Wow. And it's those stories right there. And, and you know, that, that keep me going and motivating me because I know somebody out there and you know, that's what it, from day one, if I can motivate and inspire one person a day, then, then that's why God kept me alive. And, Matthew, sometimes when we think of, and, and you were in, uh, in Iraq at the, at the time, a lot of times we only see those images of, of, you know, what's going on there. Maybe it's not always good. Do you have good moments, things that happen there where you can think back and go, I know we were fighting for a cause and I know that we were trying to keep an enemy at bay, but do you remember some times where you thought, you know, this is what we're working for. This is what we're working for, for these people here. And I, I think I got the receipt, like, you know, we had many, many good times there and, you know, the unit that we relieved, 14 Marines in the battalion were killed. We lost 23 Marines in our battalion, but the, the unit that relieved us didn't lose any Marines. And although we've we put a lot of blood in the ground over there and, um, you know, a lot of firefights and, you know, to know that the enemy or know that the unit that relieved us didn't lose any Marines says that what we were doing over there was doing the right job. And, you know, meeting a lot of the the local Iraqis, throughout the town of Aditha and, and them shaking our hands and thanking us for being over there and, you know, creating a, a polling system, a census, you know, tracking the citizens and letting them vote, being a part of that, it meant a lot, you know, and, and for us to push out the insurgents, which, you know, they couldn't win Fallujah, they couldn't win Ramadi, so Haditha was kind of their last stronghold. And we push them out so these Iraqi citizens can live a, a happy life and not worry about, uh, you know, bad people running around and, you know, executing them or their families, you know, and it was uh, putting them back in control, putting police there to arrest the bad guys. And so it, it did, it felt really good to be over there and see all the good that we did. 
you, um, you have been recognized at the State of the Union address with uh, President Trump. You have worked very closely with Congressman Andy Barr. I've always wondered, Matthew, is, is politics in your future one day? Uh, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> a... And my wife probably rolls her eyes every time I talk about it. And, and even with the Andy Barr commercial coming out, one of um, my daughter's gym teachers is like, when are you going to run for political office? And, and my wife was like, no, but I, I like what I'm doing now. I feel like my mission is what I'm doing now. And, 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 and if I could just get out and just and be in front of the people and just share my story to get people to understand that, you know, life is not tough and put one foot forward and, you know, and, and go out and, and enjoy it and do things that you never thought you could do. And, and that's what I want to do with life. I feel like this is the platform I've been given and, and I want to, you know, and I love it. What's it been like for a guy like yourself who, you know, has served our country, you were very passionate about serving your country and, and would gladly, I think, probably do it again. Our country right now, uh, and I just ask if you wouldn't do politics, so this is not really, but our country right now is so divided. And as a guy that I know loves his country, what has it been like to watch just so much of the division across a lot of different topics? You know, it's not just one thing. I don't watch the news very much yeah. just because it's, you know, um, you know, it's very sad to, to see in this country the American flag being burned by the American citizens and, and, and seeing people who, who are kind of, you know, the freedom of speech and, you know, a lot of people gave their blood, you know, so we could all be free and we can all live in this united country. And, you know, yes, some people disagree with others, but, you know, we need to learn to come together and have a cordial conversation with each other, you know. You, you talk about like racism or, you know, the first day when we were in the Marines that they said the only two colors in the Marine Corps is whatever color of Cami's uniform you're wearing. You know, you're, it doesn't matter if you're white, you're black, you're brown, you're purple, you're all brothers and you're all family and you will be that way for the rest of your lives. And, you know, it's, it's not hard to walk up and, you know, just ask somebody how they're doing. You know, one of the, another story from my time at the VA in Richmond, Virginia, and one of my, one of my, my therapists who was going to work with me on speech, and she, um, I told her from day one, I'm like, this is how I talk. Like, the, I got the accent, you know, the trach, you know, that stuff changed the way I speak. I don't want to talk about the red fox jumping over the brown log, and, but the next day, she come back in with my, my, my blind rehab outpatient specialist, and I was wondering why she was there, and and he told me that she wanted to continue working with me. She wanted to teach me Braille. And, and you know, for the next two months, we worked on Braille for from Monday through Saturday, an hour, two hours each day. We laughed, we joked, and, and had a good time. And, and I found out just, you know, right before I left that a week before I got to the blind, or before I got to the VA, she had a miscarriage. Mm. And I realized that, you know, later on in life, when I was at the O'Hare airport, the bus driver said, as we got off, was you know, whatever you do in life, remember, you never know what other people are dealing with. So be kind and compassionate and caring to them because you never know what they're dealing with. And I thought back to her at the VA that she was dealing with so much, but for those few hours each day, those six days a week, it, it took her mind off of it. And, and she could smile and laugh a little bit and joke around. And, you know, it's just, we just got to be kind and compassionate to others. It's like this hatred and this, you know, division of, you know, it's, it's got to stop, you know, it's not right. 
you know, and you know, we never know what other people are dealing with, but it's like, you know, if you just walk up and sit down and talk with them, you know, and they can understand that you're empathetic and you, and, and you kind of get gaining their trust where they can open up and talk with you, then that's where we need to be right now. Boy, we can't hear that enough these days. That's for sure. Uh, Matthew, you've got little ones and a wife at home. Uh, how is uh, virtual learning and, and life with those kinds of things? Are you good at that? Are you, I, I don't know. How's that going? Oh, my wife and I are learning how to be teachers. That's for sure. Um, my, my two oldest are, are a senior in high school and a freshman. So they're, they're okay with staying home and doing the virtual. My youngest is a third grader and keeping her focused on the computer for two to three hours. And, and she's finally understanding what homework is, mm. is very difficult, you know, and, and she's used to her teacher teaching her, not mommy and daddy. So, but, but everybody's, we're doing fine. And, you know, we're, we're just getting through kind of like everybody else is with all this. And, you know, it seems like daily that something else changes or something comes up, but we're just, um, you know, we're, we're just staying together here at the house and, and doing what we can just keep keep pushing on and getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Matthew, we um, we entitled this podcast Uniquely Kentucky because we wanted to talk to Kentuckians that, you know, bring something to the table. And so I always ask my guests, what do you think uh, makes Kentucky and the people so very unique? I think the one thing that I remember being deployed and being from Winchester, the home of L.A., like I ended up receiving two 12 packs of LA cans while I was deployed to Iraq. And, you know, I think of the mayor of Winchester, Ed Burtner, a Vietnam veteran. And, and, and it's just, when I think of Kentucky, I think of the, the courthouse squares and, and the downtown areas and the people, a lot of them I've met, you know, over the last eight years since moving back here and, and the bike ride across the state of Kentucky. And, and, you know, it's, I feel like the people in the state is is where you know we should want this country because people are so nice and they're giving they're they're selfless they serve others you know and they're they're never afraid to walk up and just shake your hand and ask you how you're doing yeah. and and that's what I love I love this this state you know and it's it's interesting because in 2002 when I moved to live with my dad in Virginia I figured the Marine Corps would take me wherever and, hmm. and I would probably never come back to Kentucky but but here I am, you know, and it's since day one when I got here in 2012 from going to University of Kentucky to working with Andy Barr's office, like everybody's always given me a helping hand. There's always given me, hey, hold, here's my shoulder, you know, and it's just, um, it's truly amazing. And, and, you know, the people in the state are truly remarkable. Well, I want to end with you um, because you've been so great to give me some time. I want to end with you. You know, we're going into the holiday season and really this should be an everyday thought, but what's that one thing that you can say to those of us who maybe don't know someone actively serving, or maybe you're someone that you don't have a veteran in your life, but what is something that we could all do very easily to support our troops and to support our veterans? You know, Camp Nelson National Cemetery, you know, just to take a minute and go out there and understand what, what freedom is, you know, the sacrifice of those who, who left home at an early age. And, you know, they had one thing in mind and that's protecting this country. You know, you go to Thompson Hood, the Veterans Center in Wilmore and meet some of the veterans there, you know, many who fought in World War II, the greatest generation, and to sit down and talk with them. You know, they're, they're willing to talk with anybody. They don't, they don't care if you're family or not. 
And, um, you know, and it's just, if you see a veteran, just walk up and shake their hand and chat with them. You know, we're not anyone different. We're, we're not going to attack you. You know, a lot of us just want to sit and talk too. And I think just understanding what the flag represents and, you know, no matter what our differences are, that we could still love this country and we still understand that all over this world, there's Americans. And, you know, I, every time I talk to the military, I always thank them for their service because my time has come, come and gone. But I, I thank them for their service because what they're fighting for, they're giving me the opportunity to tuck my daughter in every night and lay next to my bed, lay next to my wife every night and wake up every morning knowing that I'm in a free country. And and it's those people who selflessly sacrifice their their time away during the holidays. When I was in Iraq, I was away during Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that was probably the toughest times. But, you know, me and, me and the Marines, we joined together. We, 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 you know, stood under the Christmas tree together. We stood on top of rooftops eating Thanksgiving meal together. You know, we were a family. And just understand that there's people all over this world, you know, laying down their life so we could be free and so we can enjoy these holidays. And even though it might be a little different this year, but you know what, just enjoy the time with your family and understand that, that, that there's still service members all over this world, you know, keeping the bad guys away from this country. Matthew Bradford, retired Marine Corporal, thank you for helping us keep some things into perspective as we head into the holiday season. And I am sure glad that you decided to come home to Kentucky because having you and your voice here is really important to a lot of people. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, happy holidays.